Canucks Central Tuesday, a big game at Rogers Arena with the Canucks going up against the Vegas Golden Knights. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. Canucks Central is presented by your local Grip Auto entire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca today. And just happening over the last five minutes, Sat, the Vegas Golden Knights have activated Mark Stone off of L-T-I-R, and uh, Cap Friendly is saying they don't have the money to do this yet, so uh, <laughs> we're still trying to figure out who they're putting onto L-T-I-R to make this move work. <laughs> well, if you missed our conversation with Jesse Granger yesterday from The Athletic, make sure to go on Canuck Central, the podcast feed, and, and listen to it, because we ran down the possibilities or the avenues available to the Vegas oh, yeah. Golden Knights to activate Mark Stone. And, yeah, there's a way for them to do so. And whichever way that is, I guess Cap Friendly doesn't have all the information quite yet. <laughs> uh, but once they do get the information, I think it will be pretty straightforward. And, you know, Elliot was on the People Show. And like he mentioned, the league's not stepping in here. Like, nothing's going to be happening, you know. So yep. as much as this might be bothering a lot of fans, and I know people hate the LTIR usage, but the LTIR Gollum seems to have reared its ugly head, a- head again because Mark Stone is going to be playing tonight. So uh, what this means for the game tonight, obviously uh, you, we all know the drill. The Canucks uh, need every win that they can get, maybe uh, all nine to finish the season to really ensure their spot into the postseason. But this one against Vegas is extra big considering you know, they are battling for one of those playoff spots with the Canucks to try and get in and up ahead of L.A. or the Dallas Stars. But uh, this means Vegas has a much more difficult lineup than even just when the Canucks saw them last week in Las Vegas and beat them pretty handily, pretty comfortably in that game. Chandler Stevenson will be centering a line with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. At least that is the expectation. Jack Eichel is going pretty well. They have William Carlson and Jonathan Marchessault on that second line. So this now has become a very difficult task for a shorthanded Canucks team up against a, maybe for the first time this season, near full strength Vegas Golden Knights squad. Yeah, and this Golden Knights team obviously is... Well, they've struggled, but they have kind of right the ship lately. But once you put start putting seven all in their the, last ten, seven wins in their last ten. Yeah, and once you start putting all their pieces together, they yep. got a lot of talent, right? Oh, and man. if the, if this is a team that actually makes the postseason, they could have the makings of that seven eight seed or whatever it is that just goes on this incredible run once they get in. And then once you look at it and say, well, yeah, that's a team that probably should have maybe even won the division had they not had all the injuries, and maybe it's a bit different, but. For Vancouver, I think it's very simple. It comes down to three players. Elias Patterson, JT Miller, and Thatcher Demko. And to some extent, Bo Horvat. Yeah. Those guys have to go superhuman tonight. You know how the Canucks have uh, the intro video and it's all like the, the Marvel <laughs> kind of superhero yeah. video they have? They, they have to tap into that tonight. It's, uh, it, it, it's funny that um, you, know, you say that because, yeah, I mean, you, you see the, the lineup usage the other night against San Jose – Elias Pettersson, 25 minutes. Bo Horvat, 25. JT, 23. Canucks are going to need that again tonight, right? They're going to need to really lean on their top guys. What other choice do you have when you're in do-or-die mode? It's like, essentially, the Canucks are in an elimination game, 
And, you know, they're looking down at their bullpen. Maybe Max Scherzer can't start for tonight, but maybe he can give us an inning here <laughs> as we try to stave off elimination. That's where the Canucks are right now, so leaning on the Stars is the way to go. Yesterday on the podcast, and you can go back and listen, we talked about the, the late-season developments that have helped the Canucks you know, extend this playoff chase to this point yeah. into the final 10 games of the season in this do-or-die matchup here tonight. We talked about Bo Horvat. We talked about Vasily Podkolzin. We didn't get into Elias Pettersson as much, Sat, but he has finally found his form, and he's done it uh, as a winger. He's done it at center. He's playing on the PK. There's a lot to Elias Pettersson that it's like, okay, you know, he's he's back now, and he's found himself again. Yeah, and you see the impact all over the ice, yep. right? And, and it's not just a matter of being a good two-way player, that production is now at, a, at an elite level. And the other thing that he's shown is something they hadn't shown yet in previous years was him being effective playing multiple positions. It had been center exclusively, and now we're seeing him have success on the wing. And ultimately, playing down the middle is where he's going to be at his best and ultimately... That's where you want most. him. Yeah, I, I do think so. However... The impact he's having as a two-way force in the wing is something that I wasn't sure he was going to be able to do, and he has done. And, and that's maybe the best development I've seen from him. Because as good as he's been, has he done anything he hadn't done before overall? Like, has he has he done anything this season that we look at and say, okay, this is a better player than the one we saw in his sec- second season? Because so far, his high point was a second season. Yeah. He hasn't taken a step. He's gotten back to being that guy, I yeah. feel like. And the numbers kind of bear it out where he's basically been close to a 100-point pace since the All-Star break, which is pretty damn good. But, you know, you want to see Elias Pettersson around a point a game. That's the kind of player you expect him to be. But I am still waiting for his game to evolve. We've seen the impact he's had on the penalty kill, and that's an area that certainly he wasn't impacting before. But there is an element of... Okay, I know this player. I like this player quite a bit, but where is your next step? What is your next step? And one thing about Pedersen's game that I think, and I, I don't necessarily think this was an issue earlier in his career, but I feel like at times he has shied away from harder areas this season. You don't see him penetrating into the high danger areas as much with a dangerous pass. Um, You know, watching some of his games back over the last week and a bit. And there there was, especially earlier in the season, there was just too often where I think he took the easy pass back to the point. Mm -hmm. Um, Or didn't find or have the vision to generate something into a more dangerous area. And it shows in some of his numbers. He's got four primary assists of five on five when I last checked. Those are things that I think Pedersen needs to find again. And we've seen it more lately. Like when he is engaged, when he is good sat, he engages with contact. You'll see the reverse hits. You'll see him go into the corner and dig out pucks. You'll see him get in front of the net when when he is off of the puck. But uh, you know that's an area where I think Pedersen, when he's not feeling it, he's, he's got to find a way to still be himself rather than shy away from some of the harder areas of the ice. Yeah, and that was the 
weird part about it because he had never shown an unwillingness to go to those areas. And yeah. then when he was struggling, he wasn't winning those battles. And, I, and part of that, I believe, kind of comes down to just how assertive you are. And yeah. Just think of it as when you're feeling good about your game and when you're playing any sport and you're feeling confident, you go into areas with purpose. You go and do things with purpose. And when you're not feeling good about your game, that purpose is kind of gone. And it was really non-existent early on. Part yep. of that confidence was wasn't there. Now that's kind of come back. But to your point, he hasn't taken a step this year. But that doesn't mean he won't take a step beyond. The best thing that happened was he kind of got back to even footing with what he had shown before. And that's a good thing. Okay, it's it's re- a relief to know that he still is the player he had shown previously. But what he needs to do next season is evolve. You know, it's, it's not just good enough to go back to being what you were. Yeah. You have to keep getting better. And this year, okay, it got off to a tough start. It was what it was. It was just about salvaging this year. And by the end of the season, heck, maybe he even reaches 70 points. I mean, you know, he's, what, 14 off getting to 70 with yep. nine games remaining in the season. It's not outside the realm of possibility. And then all of a sudden you look at it, okay, well, it's not that bad of a year. But still, that's not the heights that you want to see from him. What he has to do next season is not just be consistent year from the start of the season to the end of the season. I want to see him get better. I want to see him add something to his game next year. Well, the thing about uh, his second season, the sophomore year, he was so incredibly consistent. You know, he wouldn't go more than three games without a point or having some kind of an impact on the team. That obviously wasn't the case this year. And certainly early on in the season, that was an issue. And you think about, we talked about this in our pre-show meeting, and you mentioned how well, how are the Canucks going to overcome some of the uh, talent deficiencies that they have, given all the injuries they have and Vegas getting closer to full impact? Well, have Elias Pettersson play like he did in the bubble a couple of years ago. You think back, it was Thatcher Demko, Quinn Hughes, and Elias Pettersson that were really the biggest threats and the biggest nightmare fuel for the Vegas Golden Knights in that second-round series. To me, the three best players in that series... Two of them were Canucks. And I got to say, Dan Richo just made an incredible save. He was just about to Ooh, uh, spro. Spro, drop the Spro, <laughs> the hot Spro, all over himself and his computer and his phone. And he just caught it midair. Made a catch. The lid went popping, but uh, the coffee just made minor drippage. That was very, very impressive. That was very, very This is well why done. we need cameras on us, Sat, so people can see the, reflex. the hilarious stuff that happens <laughs> off mic. The cat-like <laughs> reflexes of Dan Riccio catching a coffee midair. That was going to be yeah. a disaster. But... Uh, that series against the Golden Knights, two of the three best players in that series were Canucks. Yep. One was Thatcher Demko with a bullet, of course. Yep. The other was Elias Patterson. And I'd say the best, maybe you can make the case the best player in the series was Mark Stone. It was, it was, it was a joke how, how dominant Mark Stone yeah. was too, right? But that's how good Patterson was that series. If you go back and watch, and even though the Canucks were getting absolutely hemmed, when Patterson was on the ice, he was generating chances. And he was able to create offense out of nothing. It, he was a force that was able to give enough offense because Thatcher Demko shut it down and helped the team win. And Bo Horvat had a couple big goals in that series as well. But that's kind of what happened. The Canucks had no chance outside of Demko, but they needed somebody to go superhuman up front. And that's what you need tonight. And Patterson's shown the ability to do so. We know Miller has it in him as well. But to follow the template, it kind of has to be Patterson. Yeah, and, and you wonder if he can have that kind of an impact off of the wing as much. Um, I heard Bick talk about it a little bit, but would you be interested in seeing Elias Pettersson move to center tonight, spread out Bo, Miller, and Horvat across three lines to help you deal with 
the scoring threats that Vegas has mm-hmm. on all three lines or don't mess with something that's currently working and loading up your top six with the guys that are healthy and hope your bottom six can just stay afloat for the night. Yeah, and, and that's essentially what it is because you don't have enough because with Pearson and, and Besser out. Like, you just don't have enough down the wings. And I do think when Patterson's on top of his game, maybe you can just throw him with, with any two wingers and say, hey, he can, he can handle a couple of guys and you can have three lines going. But part of me just kind of wonders, like you mentioned, it's like load up your top six. Yep. Throw those guys out there as much as possible. They're your best chance and essentially bury that bottom six as much as possible in this game because your fourth line is not going to give you anything. So those guys have to, in a game like this, I think, especially with the way Vegas can push and how they really get on top of teams, you have to limit guys that make mistakes. You have to really be careful with the amount of ice time some of those players get in this type of situation. So you have to really lean into your top six. I do wonder, to Bix's point, if Pedersen's going that way, you go three centers deep, does that give you a chance to at least hang with Vegas a bit more? I still wonder the lack of depth yeah. on the wings that prevents you from doing that. So your safest bet is to kind of load up your top six and then pray for the best. Yeah, tonight just feels like one of those nights where you're going to have to be able to take it on the chin a little bit you know, and survive those moments. Uh, there, there may be a few moments where it feels like saved by the bell at the end of a, a boxing round, right, where Vegas gets you hemmed in for a little bit of time and gives you some trouble. But you're going to need your top players to be those guys. And I think Pedersen is the biggest one of all. He's the one guy, like, okay, Vegas didn't have Jack Eichel in in the series a couple of years ago, obviously. And Jack, his offense hasn't totally been there, but, you know, he's already having that Mm -hmm. sort of a big impact already with the Vegas Golden Knights. They need Pedersen to be the best player on the ice. And I do wonder how that looks now with Jack Eichel on, on this Vegas team. Well, and there's there is definitely a high end centerman that can kind of offset whether a Pedersen or this season the guy that's been going the most is J T Miller. Like right now between the two teams, the best center so far this year has been J T Miller. Now Eichel's potential and ability and, and overall upside is the highest, right? I mean, you compare him to J T, it is higher. Pedersen has that ability, right, to go to that next absolute top tier level. And if if the Canucks are going to have a chance to do the unthinkable and beat teams that are above them and are getting healthy and Mark Stone's coming back to play and they got Pacioretty back and go through the roster the Vegas Golden Knights have at their disposal, they're going to need somebody to go superhuman a few games. And yeah. They're going to need to have someone just absolutely put the team on its back. JT's done that a lot this season, and maybe he's a guy that does it. But Bo's had some big moments, but is he a guy that changes the outlook of an entire game or a series? He hasn't shown that outside of the Blue series. Maybe tonight, a night where he comes out and scores a couple goals and really shows, okay, I'm the captain, I bring it. But that's what they're going to need because on paper and on based on form, Vegas is a better team. Yeah. And if you get the saves, though, and one of your top-end players come through, then what we're going to see is this team is imperfect, but this is what we've always talked about. They have the higher-end talent. They can keep you in games and win you games that you probably shouldn't win because you get saves at the same time. But it's about time those guys come through. This year, this team has found a way to play team efforts and find a way to win, and they've collectively done a good job. In this moment with all the injuries, they need a superstar to step up. 
Uh, this text coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line, Elias Pettersson has recently been getting close to his best production, but his performance for the season, his contract is the worst value on the team. For me, he is too easily knocked off the puck, misses the net too often, has too many giveaways. Opposite side of that, another text coming in. Hello! You watching the same Pedersen that we are all seeing right now? Totally disagree with your comments. Involved way more physically along the boards, fighting for puck possession. Thanks. That's D in Canuck Nation. Uh, uh, he is boring. but And the point that Reach was making more than anything, and I don't want to speak for you too much. You can yeah. defend yourself here, Reach. But earlier this season, he was getting knocked off pucks a bit more, and he became hesitant. But ever since his turn, he's going to those areas and he's winning battles. I mean, he's getting knocked down, but he's yeah. still getting the puck into open space and getting puck to another teammate, something he wasn't doing earlier this season. The thing that everybody thought about Pedersen straight away, coming out, right? The size. Is, yeah. the, is the size going to be an issue? Is the size going to be an issue? He's not big enough. He's too scrawny. Yada, yada, yada. First year he shows up. He's reverse hitting guys. You know, you see him getting engaged. He's not afraid to lay his shoulder into somebody to protect the puck. When Pedersen is going and he's feeling confident, he does those things. We just haven't seen it enough this year. And I do think there has been a hesitance to really get into the hard areas of the ice. And look, the coach and even players have critiqued themselves Mm -hmm. on some nights, more of a team critique than any one single player we didn't work hard enough to get to the hard areas of the ice. Yeah. And I think, look, look, it's not that Pedersen can't do it. We've seen him do it in those playoff series a couple of years ago uh, when the games are as tough as they can possibly be. But I think he has been a part of that issue as a team this year in tough games, big games, kind of like the one that's going to be on here tonight, where the team as a whole isn't working as hard as their opponent to get to the tough areas of the ice. Well, and to, to me, that was really exemplified against the Blues. And where I remember OEL and other guys kind of talking about it. It's like, yeah, the yep. Blues are getting bounces, but they're earning their bounces. And and the perfect example of that to me was Marco Scandell and the goal he scored. Yeah, the puck bounced in off of him. It was lucky. But you know where he was? In the blue paint. Yep. You know what he did? He beat two Canucks defenders and a forward to get to that spot. Yep. Yeah, it was lucky bounce, but the work he had to do to outmuscle and outwork Canucks players to get to that spot is what allowed that bounce to happen. And it happened because he outworked the Canucks. The Canucks did not work hard enough. Yeah, they got lucky, quote unquote, but that bounce would have gone your way if you cleared the net. And he was a standing in the blue paint in a spot where the puck can bounce off of him and go in. And that that's you know the moments where we've seen this team not show up. Now, where Pedersen has really brought that, and I thought actually the last time the Canucks played Vegas in, in Vegas, it was maybe goal, uh, Pedersen's best game of the season. And it wasn't just the offense he created. It was just how much he battled. And he was getting knocked around in the corners and front of the net. But you know what he did each time? He advanced the puck. He won the puck. He yeah. got the puck over to a teammate. He got it to open space. He kept the play alive. He kept it from going out of the zone. Yeah, he got knocked down doing so. But what's the job of you in a puck battle? To win the puck. doesn't matter how what, what happens to you in the puck battle. Do you win the battle? And against Vegas, he did. And, and that would, that's what would give me some hope to see if the Canucks can you know, do something here is that Pedersen finds that game again that he did in Vegas last time, how he did against Vegas a couple of years ago in that bubble playoffs. It is within him, but it all starts, you're right, with having the willingness to go to those areas. Because I remember even against Vegas in the um, 
in the postseason, there was a goal he scored where he was the Canucks had such a hard time generating any space. But here's oh, where yeah. his, you know, his intellect kind of came in and also his willingness to go to those areas. He kind of stuck to a Vegas defender really, really close. And as soon as the puck went to the far wall, Patterson just kind of bounces out, but he doesn't bounce out to the perimeter. He bounces right into the middle of the ice. The puck comes to him, he gets it, he wires it, and he scores. But he's just about to get closed down and clobbered by a Vegas defender. So he's not afraid of doing those things and finding that space. And if he plays to that level, even if the Canucks are on the counter a lot tonight, it gives you at least a fighting chance. Uh, It is Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. This is Canucks Central. We are live on location at Rogers Arena. Uh, a lot of uh, discussion on Elias Pettersson here and where that next step is, where his game can evolve to. You're seeing a player on the other side tonight in Jack Eichel who is starting to find his game again. He's got 11 goals. He's played 25 games. Pretty impressive considering the injury he's coming off of. I don't think the offense is totally there yet for him, but he is continuing to show... Uh, a, a bigger defensive presence than maybe he had shown earlier in his career sat. And I think that makes Jack Eichel a um, very difficult figure in the Pacific Division for a few years to come, right? He's got four more years left on his deal beyond this one. We know Vegas is going to have cap casualties as they do every summer, but they have that one piece now that Many of us thought they were missing, especially after they lost the Habs last year, that number one center that are just so hard to find. Yeah, and in the postseason, a lot of the offense also gets generated down the middle, and that's why your centers become so important too. And they really lack that, and you kind of saw it in how difficult the time they had to score and they have a couple of guys that shoot the puck well like Max Pacioretty but they didn't have a ton of guys that could work the middle and score right everything kind of came from the outside for them and when you kind of took that stuff away in the middle of the ice they had a real hard time a guy like Jack Eichel opens everything up when he's on top of his game and maybe you don't quite you maybe won't quite see his impact yet but come in the playoffs that's where you're going to see an extra bit of offense and that's what's going to make this team so much more dangerous if they actually get into the postseason adding Jack Eichel when you have the high powered wingers you already have on this team and if he's healthy and actually on top of his game which it seems like he's trending towards because he's definitely healthy and his game is getting better and better it seems every game he gets out there it's going to present a completely different challenge because that was the only real weakness they had Now, if you falter in the playoffs, you really have no more excuses. You can't sit here and say, well, we don't have a strong center because now you have Jack Eichel. But they're still the team that I fear the most in the postseason. And a lot of it has to do that if you have Eichel healthy, he's the, I mean. And stone healthy. What team in the division outside of Edmonton has better centers? I mean, you can make, you want to make the case for Pedersen, but Eichel has a track record. Yep. I mean, Calgary doesn't have a center that's better than Eichel. No. Lindholm's having a. But he's not better year. than Michael. No. So if you have the best, you have you know one of the best centers in a division. All of a sudden, yeah. You have one of the best defensemen at Petrangelo. Plus you have Shea Theodore and and much more. And you have a lot of depth. I mean, it's they're still the scariest team to me in the postseason if they make it in the division right now. And and this is a big key for tonight's game. It's a key for every game for the Canucks. But the special teams factor, power play. Uh, Vegas has been awful lately on the power play. They're getting Mark Stone back tonight. It looks like. So that provides a um, another threat that they've been missing. 
uh, but also the PK hasn't been very good. Obviously, Mark Stone impacts their special teams quite a bit. We'll see how much he is utilized in those spots. I think for for Eichel, you know, one of the things about him, he is one of the better skaters in the league. Yeah. You know, he does have similar to doesn't have the edge work that a Quinn Hughes quite does, but. There's more power. There's more. Game. There's more power. It's also very effortless, right, for them to get to yeah. that full speed and just blowing by guys when they are really in flight. And I think that's you know one of those things that the Canucks really struggle with. Obviously, is is just overall team speed. And Vegas can really pressure you, and on every line throughout their entire forward group. And that's really the one thing that has caused the Canucks more trouble than anything this year, speedy teams. Well, absolutely. And the best way you can counteract that is outworking them. I mean, th- yeah. there's, there's, no, there's two templates to slow down speedy teams. One is to really clog up the neutral zone and, and sit behind as much as possible and just make life miserable for everybody involved. But that takes a lot of defensive discipline, right? And it's very difficult to play. And, you know, teams don't really do that as much anymore. The other is... Try to take your time and space away as much as possible. And that is relentlessly checking them, relentlessly pressing them. And that's kind of what they did against Colorado on the road. That's a super fast team. They're maybe oh, yeah. one of the fastest teams in the league. But the way the Canucks counteracted their speed was effort. And it's simple. Like, nobody's sitting here and, and telling you anything you didn't know already. But in games like that, it all comes down to your effort. Because if you go out there and work your ass off and get on top of guys and don't give them space to receive the puck and move the puck, I don't care how fast you are. It becomes hard. It doesn't mean you can't beat it. It doesn't mean you're, you're not going to have success. But you have to make them work so much harder to play with speed. And that's the only thing you can do in this case. Because you're not, you're not going to go out and out-scheme them. You're not going to go out there and outpace them. You have to outwork them. It's as simple as that tonight. It is uh, Canucks Central, and tonight here at Rogers Arena, it is the massive Canucks for Kids telethon. Please join your Vancouver Canucks and make a difference in the lives of some very special children. It's the 32nd annual Canucks for Kids Fund telethon, and it's presented by TD. You can win a 2022 Toyota Corolla Cross LE all-wheel drive. Please donate online at Canucks.com slash telethon today, and you can be a part of of the team help us help bc kids ryan johnson will be joining us next here on canuck central canuck central we are a presentation of grip auto and tire friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca today ryan johnson senior director of player development and uh, gm of the abbotsford canucks is going to join us uh, here in a couple of moments it is the uh, canucks for kids telethon night you'll see elliot friedman and randeep janda on the broadcast hosting the telethon and uh your chance to donate to the telethon throughout the night and obviously support a ton of great causes that are supported by the canucks for kids fund uh head over to canucks.com slash telethon uh to get a donation in and you can win a lot of prizes, including a Toyota Corolla uh, with a $100 donation. So uh, check that out and help one of the uh, – help out the Canucks for Kids funds as they do so much great work across the province. 
Stan Richo and Satyar Shah, Canucks Central here at Rogers Arena. Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Let's bring in Ryan Johnson, Senior Director of Player Development and uh, the GM of the Abbotsford Canucks. Thanks for this, RJ. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Uh, we're uh, we're doing we're doing fantastic. It's uh, it's the big Canucks for Kids telethon night. Um, you know, you've been with the organization a long time. It's uh, it's quite impressive just what an impact the Canucks for Kids fund does have, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. Obviously, this is a you know a big evening for our organization, for our community, our province. Uh, the effect that you know this telethon uh, has the Canucks for Kids, the charities that are involved, and more importantly, the kids that are involved in those charities. So it's a it's a huge night. Uh, for us, uh, like I said, as an organization, organization, a community, a province, uh, on and on for the people that are involved. Well, and it's one of those things that in this market and in, in the entire province, this organization means so much to just the community and the amount of work that uh, has to be done. And that's something that Abbotsford has had to, you know, really face the first in the first year with the floods and everything going on. And it is pretty incredible to see, isn't it, how important this organization is to the community and how much work can be done in critical times to pay that back. Absolutely, and I think it was one of the things that uh, as we were moving the team, our minor league team from from upstate New York to uh, to the province, that you know people that hadn't spent time in the organization directly in the city or or in the province, uh, that I told them, you know, it was a, a large undertaking, but also a huge responsibility that uh, that us as a group in Abbotsford uh, to be a part of the province, uh, to people be a part closer to our process. But also for us to be to to be back in in the community and in a province that uh, obviously our organization is a huge part of, uh, and and to out of the gates of the inaugural season for the Abbotsford Canucks with the flooding there in the Fraser Valley um, and the devastation that went on to to people in that community to be able to be a part of that uh, as our group and our players to involve themselves in assisting. Um, and we've had, you know, quite a bit of adversity with the wildfires, the flooding, and the COVID, and, and uh, you really realize, uh, as a group and as an organization as a whole, how much you can really impact our province. Uh, the Canucks for Kids Telethon ongoing tonight. Head over to Canucks.com/telethon uh, to get in your donation. Ryan Johnson, uh, Senior Director of Player Development with the Vancouver Canucks and GM of the Abbotsford. Uh, Canucks joining us here on Canucks Central, and uh, a lot going on this time of year. RJ, right? It's uh, it's the end of the season, big games. Uh, Abbotsford off off to the playoffs, as we know, and Canucks fighting for their playoff lives right now. For for young players, you know, how important is it to to have these big games and and kind of understand what the level kind of gets to at this time of year in the in the highest level of the game. Well, absolutely. For you know, I always you know say that uh, the, the the development uh, really picks up or increases when players have the opportunity to play in big games, whether that's with our big group here in Vancouver or uh, even what hopefully is is a good playoff experience for a lot of young players there uh, coming down the road. But a huge game tonight, obviously against Vegas, and we've got some some young players. Um, involved in that that have been through our development process that that uh it's one thing to come in at the end of the year and play meaningless games and just get a taste and there's no pressure um but but these games it, they're getting bigger and bigger as we move on and to have 
obviously some young players that are going to impact this organization for the next uh, the next few years to be a part of that. We feel it's going to help them take a step uh, at understanding how we want to expect to win, how we want to be a winning fran- franchise that just isn't isn't trying to get in the, the playoffs, but at this point securing a, a very valuable playoff spot for us in the future. Well, and, and now we're starting to see, you know, individual players who've been kind of playing in Abbotsford get a chance with the Canucks. And Will Lockwood is one right now. And we'll see Jack Rathbone sometime uh, as well, perhaps before the season ends. But when you watch a guy like Will Lockwood, for instance, and I know Bruce mentioned this too, that the first couple of games, his speed is there, his physicality is there, his willingness to get in on the forecheck is there, obviously. But it seemed like the game was a little fast. He wasn't processing it. He was kind of taking the wrong angles and lanes and everything. But now it seems like he's trying to figure that stuff out. He's backtracking a lot, backchecking a lot better too. It's, it seems like he's far more aware about what's going on. Uh, what does that kind of say about how he's able to anticipate and and adjust on the fly, and how that speaks to his development over the past couple of years? Well, I've seen uh, Will make the the leap from from college hockey, obviously at Michigan, into uh, the American League uh, last year, where we knew. You know, sometimes these guys play roles, uh, whether it's their junior teams or European teams or college teams, that are very different from what their roles actually will be when they turn pro. And so there was kind of almost a reprogramming uh, going on last year in Utica and and, uh, building Will's identity of what he is going to be as uh, as eventually an NHL player. And that took some time and took some adapting to the pro game. And I think it's – I knew – saying to our group that it was going to take Will a little bit of time from the, from the pace, uh, just the time and space being taken away that he, he thinks his way through games, uh, maybe a little bit too much. I almost want him to be a little bit more reckless at times with it, but I'm seeing him getting more comfortable. I'm seeing him moving his feet as opposed to thinking through some reads. And obviously that's adapting to, you know, uh, Bruce in a style of game. And like I said, a, a time and, uh, space thing that that uh, I think we're just going to see him get better and better as we go on here, and obviously see you see last game and previously he has the ability to physically impact the game. He's not a very he's not a big kid, but he's a very powerful, explosive kid, and I think he catches a lot of people off guard. It's uh, it, it, we know he's got the speed, and and that's an element that uh, it, the organization really uh, likes about Will Lockwood. But for a young player. Um, is there a learning curve to like how to use your speed properly, when to use it, you know, and and, and how does that develop? Well, with the, with young with young players that can uh, that can skate, you want to uh, make sure that they don't get to the wrong place really quick, and that's that's a part yeah. of um, you know. And again, I talked about coming out of college and some of the details. You talk about a guy that you know was a first unit power play, a first unit expected to score, and, and your attention to maybe lanes or penalty killing or your defense, your D zone uh, puck management, all those things that, that uh, you have to be cognizant at this level where you really can't play. And so um, I think he's, you know, sometimes you've got to harness your speed and sometimes you have to let it go. And it's finding that fine line of, of when to and not to. And I think, you know, you want him to be reckless on the forecheck and disrupt because he can he can get to those places fast. And then in our own zone, we we want to see him uh, hold his ice sometimes and and not over skate in the D zone. 
uh, to, to get yourself out of position. But all things that as a group and coaches continue to work with him, and, and he's a, as coachable as a kid and as, as professional of a young kid as you will find as far as what he puts into the game. So we know he's going to come along pretty quickly here. Well, one player who's, when he's been healthy in Abbotsford, has been, been piling up the points really good and super talented, and that is Jack Rathbone. And, you know, he's been getting back in the lineup, and ever since he kind of got healthy, he's getting a steady kind of run here. How has he developed from the start of the season to now, and especially when you kind of consider uh, the adversity he's been through already this season? Yeah, well, we talk about it all the time. We, we haven't had a 10-game block of Jack um, you know, building a runway of where he actually can get going and sustain it, whether it's through COVID or, or the injuries or pauses, be, you know, due to all the different things that have gone on this year. Um, you know, it's been a very stop and go uh, season for him. But in saying that, you know, we've been able to uh, get him back up and going throughout these pauses. I think the coaching staff and the group there has done a great job of managing him through this adversity I think he's managing his game as good as he ever had. He's uh, moving the puck, exiting the zone um, the way we want we want to see him. Um, defending, you know, he's improved his positioning, his neutral zone gaps. And so it, it's been, although we've had a lot of hiccups and a lot of stops and starts this season, I, it's been it's been an excellent season for Jack. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a huge year of growth for him to play with that group. It plays a lot of minutes. He's played a key role in the success of that group, obviously, over the last few months. So it, it's it's uh, it's been a great year for him and growing his game. And at some point here, uh, you know, we hope we get a chance to see it on the stage here in Vancouver. Ryan Johnson, our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central. Uh, Spencer Martin gets a, a contract extension with the organization, and you know, it's it, it it is interesting hearing about his story with the team. You know, coming in, there's there's young guys that are looking to get those opportunities, but he's everybody I talked to just said it's it's really been about his work ethic and really taking to the teachings of the goaltending department that's allowed him to develop and also really seize the opportunity he's been given with the with the organization here yeah 100 percent I mean this is all on on Spencer he he came into a situation where uh, traded for him knowing in a COVID environment we were going to need depth wanted to be able to have the opportunity uh, to maybe not have Mike DiPietro or Artur Silov's sitting on a bench somewhere not playing. And so uh, we faced him a ton uh, between Utica and him being in Syracuse. We knew what it was about. We wanted to give him a, an opportunity to come in and work with Dean Clark and Curtis Sanford. Um, and, and even through the pauses and the hiccups of the part of the season and being patient for his playing opportunity, he worked his butt off. It gave him a real chance to dial in his game. Uh, and started to show in the results when he when he got an opportunity. So for me, this is a great lesson for people around Spencer that he was thrown a different adversity. He controlled exactly what he could control, and that's what he put into the game and how hard he worked at it. Stayed positive with it, and uh, he's been rewarded. You look at you know the play that he's had in the American League, the run that he had for three games up here in in Vancouver. And he's earned an opportunity to compete for a bigger spot here in Vancouver down the road. Uh, and like I said, for us, it's a great reward for, for a guy that's earned it and a great lesson for people around him to say, you know, if I take care of what I can 
um, good things will happen for me. So we're, we're extremely happy to keep him in the organization for two years and, and what he's done for us in a very short time. Well, it's interesting, interesting that you mentioned compete, and that's something that Patrick Alvin told us after the signing was done as well, that he's coming in next year to compete with guys for the back-off spot, and the other guys kind of in that competition are Mikey DiPietro and also maybe Arthur Silovs to a lesser extent. And let's just assume for a moment that Spencer Martin does perhaps win the backup job here next year, and let's just say the organization doesn't bring another bat- veteran goalie to fight for that spot. How comfortable do you guys feel about DiPietro and Silovs being the tandem next year in, in the AHL, and how close are they to not only being really good AHL goalies, DiPietro this year, of course, but also perhaps fighting for a spot in the NHL? Well, the, the Mikey's done a great job this year. Of, of mm-hmm. Again, he, he's had, had some injuries and had some things that he had to deal with and getting into a rhythm early. You look at his uh, performance over the last little while, he's right where we thought he was going to get to. We've got two very good goaltenders there right now that are pushing each other, ding-donging back and forth at starts, which for me, competition is as healthy as a thing as you can have in an organization that pushes guys each day in practice to be their best, wanting the opportunity, whether that's in net, on defense, or forward. So, um, you know, Mikey is is uh, competing you know, for those starts right now in Abbotsford. Seelovs uh, has done a fantastic job in Trois Rivieres. I wanted to get him going. I wanted he'd done some great work with Curtis Sanford. Uh, I wanted to get him more consistent starts and and get him into a rhythm, which he's done in Trois Rivieres and had great results. And in, in the group there, from their general manager and their their goaltending coach, have raved about his work ethic and how people around his their players there have responded to him. So I I feel good about where we're at now and moving forward and very comfortable if it's Mikey DiPietro and, and Arthur Silovs next next year in, in uh, Vancouver competing uh, similarly as, as we have two guys now, that's great. But in saying that, um, we have to get through training camp where guys have to come in, perform, and earn spots. And, and you want to be an organization of merit that if somebody comes in, who that is and earns the right, uh, to be the backup here in Vancouver, then they earn it. Uh, and that's that's very important that uh, we're, we're never handouts. Guys got to come in and play and earn their spots. Ryan Johnson, our guest. Uh, the, the player that's been getting a ton of praise from his teammates, from, from coach uh, Boudreaux right now is is Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, what are you seeing from, from Pods right now, Ryan? Well, all the, all the great details and things that we've seen about him this year I think he's giving himself more of an opportunity to use some of his skill set in the fact that he's he's moving his feet and uh, uh, playing at a pace that that I haven't seen him play at yet, which is exciting. And I think there were times earlier in the season we saw some really good things from, him, but um, it, at times he was doing playing from a standstill or. Uh, thinking, get you know, thinking and looking for his play before he moved his feet. Now I think we're seeing some explosiveness from him, some separation speed in the neutral zone that's making him very dangerous. He's holding on to pucks in the offensive zone, and, and he is a horse. I mean, for a young kid, this is a strong, strong kid that that can protect a puck that is hard to remove from the puck. And I think you know, once he's started skating and and really moving his feet, it's it's it's. Uh, his confidence is coming and progressing. And I, I think we're, we're just, we're not, we're just seeing a little bit of the light, I think of what Vasily is eventually going to be. And I, I felt the way he plays the game 
the way he carries himself, um, that as he develops and improves at this level, that he's going to be a guy that, that I feel comfortable we can win with because of the way he cares, the way he plays the game, the hardness he has around his skill set. So, um, this it's been it's been exciting to to watch in the last little bit because I just keep feel like game by game he keeps building and building, especially the, how big these games are and, and the weight that they carry right now with us trying to get in the playoffs. Uh, you know, for a guy to rise at this time uh, says a lot about the player. Well, and you don't need me to tell you this, Ryan, but it's always telling when players and his teammates, especially veteran NHLers, start talking about how talented he is and how they think the the talent is uh, very much untapped and unlimited to some degree. And this is late in the season these guys are saying this, and this is like after watching them play for 70 games and, and having him part of the group. And one thing that keeps coming up is how they say he might have the best shot on the team, the heaviest shot on the team. And he's a guy that obviously can shoot the puck more. Now, is that something that maybe as a player he has to just have the mindset of shooting it more? Or is it kind of one of those cases of as he gets a little bit stronger, he's already strong, it's a bit quicker, and finds a way to get even more separation that he'll shoot the puck more? Or is it also has to be a bit of a mindset set shift for him to understand how good a shot he has and to kind of be more selfish in shooting the puck? Well, I, I think, I think you, you, you hit right on it. Uh, being more selfish. I think uh, one thing about Vasily that for young players, if you really want to endear yourself to your teammates and especially veteran players, is show them that you respect the game. Show them that you respect the process. Show them that you understand how hard this is going to be and that you want to do the work and you want to work at it. And he's a first on, on the ice, last off type of guy. The way he approaches the game with respect He's humble in the way that, that uh, you know, he understands guys have put in a lot of games and a lot of years where they are. He comes in and, and, and uh, tries to work every day, and, and, and you don't see that uh, all the time. And so I think, you know, he's got fans and his teammates that realize how hard he's worked. They see, um, you know, they see the gifts that he has. And I think the one thing, again, you, you almost maybe want to help him through is because he respects uh, his teammates and lines made so much. I think there's been times over the last two or three games where he had an opportunity to use that shot and put it through the back of the net, and he's thinking pass. And and that is just a, a, a I believe because he 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 wants to make plays for his teammates. He respects them, and we'd like him to be a little bit more selfish. And and because we know with his shot and his skill set that he's got the ability to score, and that's maybe just something in time that. Uh, um, we help him along with, but I would say that that's a good problem to have when you got a guy that respects the game, the process, and his teammates. Well, it certainly seems like he's a really good kid, and, and he's friends with a lot of guys on the team, and also he's friends with quite a few guys on the Abbey Canucks. He was at the wedding of one of your young players, Danila Klimovich, who got married uh, over the past few days here. How is he? How has he kind of progressed this year? I mean, now obviously taking a big step off the ice in his personal life, but for an 18-year-old that had to come to North America and go through everything, how would you sum up the way his year has gone? Are you speaking about uh, Paul Colson? No, Danila Klimovich, because yeah, Klimovich got married. Or, uh, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, again, what a moment for for this kid battling the, uh, uh, you know, language, culture, and coming in and not knowing whether maybe he goes to the Quebec League, maybe he's going back to the KHL, or or you know, uh, and he's come in. He's said right from day one, 
you know, Danila, he wanted to be here. He said he wanted to be here. He wanted to stay here. When I, when I told him eventually, hey, you're going to be part of this Abbotsford group going forward. You're not going anywhere. The smile that came across his face. So um, he is, he's, you know, dealt with a lot, obviously a lot, uh, a lot going on back at home with uh, what's going on in the world right now, handled everything incredibly well. Have we had, you know, moments of ups and downs and throws? Well, yeah, we knew that he was, he's a nine, he's an 18 year old that turned 19, but you look at the growth in his game. I think how he's uh, been able to, you know, grow just minor, minor detail, wall work, playing with teammates and, and some basic, basic fundamentals for a young kid that we wanted to make sure we got into his game moving forward that we were worried about if he went maybe to a lesser level that he'd just be able to continue on with and, and be offensive. But, um, you know, a great moment the other day of, of him getting married, um, you know, I was talking to him in the dressing room on Saturday morning and I think Noah Juleson, a couple of the guys overheard that he was getting married. And, and I think, you know, Danila was nervous and had kept this uh, very much to himself. But, you know, it was a great moment uh, that in a very short time, the entire team made it a point that they wanted to be there for him and celebrate his day with him and, and uh, for them to join him out there. I was proud of that group because it is just another statement by these guys of, of what they are as a group and, and the character that uh, that they have as a whole there and what they've had to fight through. And for me, having Danila be a part of a group like that and learn from, from a group of players that are around there is going to be a huge part of his development. That's awesome. Did you give him some life advice or? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's hard. We, we still with the language, we deal in simplicity. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so, you know, I, we keep it very, very simple or video or uh, Google translator. We, we use a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, different things to make sure that the message is going across, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. That's for sure. That's awesome. Uh, RJ really appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks on such a special night for uh, for our organization here. A hundred percent. That's Ryan Johnson, Senior Director Player Development with the Vancouver Canucks and the GM of the Abbotsford Canucks. And as mentioned, a big night for the Canucks organization. The Canucks for Kids Telethon is going on tonight. You can text Kids Fund to three zero three 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 to donate now, or head over to Canucks.com slash Telethon. A donation of $100, minimum $100, gets you a chance to win a 2022 Toyota Corolla. Massive night uh, for the Canucks for Kids Fund, and it's good to have it back in uh, the way we've known it best, Sad as yeah. part of the Canucks broadcast, right? No question. And, you know, being able to be at the building when this happens and having fans in here. I mean, last year, of course, there were no fans in the building. So when the telethon was kind of happening, it was uh, kind of an empty rink yeah. and all those kind of things going on, right? So uh, it's good for the, for the vibe to be back. and. It's such an important day for the community as well because this money goes such a long way and it touches people in so many different ways. And this organization has been exemplary in how they've reached the community. It wasn't that long ago we were talking about the autism acceptance game and mm-hmm. the amount of work they've done with the Canucks Autism Network. And here's you know another extension of the great work they do in the community and, and why it's so important for people, if they can, to make a bit of a contribution to help uh, the promise move along here. 100%. The uh, Canucks for Kids Fund does uh, so much. Uh, the money going to so many different organizations does so much for our communities here across the province. And uh, I misspoke. When you donate $100 or more, you receive a one-of-a-kind 8x10 photo 
of Canucks All-Star Thatcher Demko. Again, Canucks.com slash telethon uh, to get in your donation today. Coming up, Corey Pronman joins us as uh, there's a few players around the league set to make their debuts as the college season comes to a close. Owen Power, Maddie Beneers, many others, and also a tee-up of the draft. That's next on Canuck Central. 